Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, February 21st, 2022, and today we are finishing our study on the book of Romans, and we'll be looking specifically at Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 27. Well, as we end the book of Romans, Paul's theologically critical and important letter to the church of Rome, this letter is chock full of the important teachings about sin and grace, the gospel, the church, and Jesus Christ. However, it ends most importantly with people. Like most of Paul's letters, the the last section is dedicated to the greeting of the church and the people of the church. However, in Romans 16, 27 names of people are listed and 26 of those are from Rome. Paul's letters were, were to the church, but ultimately Paul knew that these books were written to people, the people who had been the hands and the feet of Christ to Paul. At Lifeline, our mission statement is that we exist to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children and families. And while certainly we are equipping churches, the big C, it's the individual believers who make up that body of Christ who are making the huge impact. It's the families who open up their home to adoption or foster care. It's the women who show the love and compassion of Christ to birth mothers. It's the mentors in our Families Count program, our Heritage Builders program. It's the, it's the safe family in our Harbor family program. It's the tutor for bridge education. It's the pastor around the world who loves the needs of the orphan around him. And brothers and sisters, it's each of you. It's us collectively, the body of Christ written individually and corporately to us. Romans chapter 16 should remind us that comfort, help, partnership, and community in the gospel comes from our brothers and sisters. And brothers and sisters, I'm grateful for each of you that are listening to this podcast because this ministry is only possible because of each and every one of you and the encouragement, the passion, the selfless work, and the giftedness of each of you. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. He says, it is grace and nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. And so with that, let's read Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 27. I, Paul, commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sincre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. And I want to pause just for a second as we're reading through these 27 verses and, and commend you to notice that Phoebe is the messenger. Phoebe is the one who carries this most important letter right into Rome. She's the one that takes it from the the hand of Paul and and brings it to Rome. This woman, Phoebe, this sister, Phoebe, brings this most important letter from Paul to the Roman church, to the churches in Rome. Verse three, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved 
Epictetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampletius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who had worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncricus, Philagian, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philugius, Julia, Narissus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your, your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sophistipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Verse 22 there. Tertius, there's a little shout out. He's the one that's pinning the book of Romans. And he says, hey, I wrote this letter and I greet you. Verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me and the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greets you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, Leon Morris commentary comments on Romans 16 in this way. He says the multiplicity of greetings to people of whom we know nothing apart from their being listed here roots the letter in a specific context. It was a letter to real people, and as far as we can see, to ordinary people. It was not written to professional theologians, though through the centuries scholars have found this epistle a happy hunting ground. As we consider the weighty matters Paul deals with, we are apt to overlook the fact that it was addressed to people like Ampletus and Tryphena and Rufus. Clearly, Paul expected this kind of person to be helped by what he wrote, a fact which modern experts sometimes overlook. And it's fitting that this letter, which has given us so much solid teaching on doctrine, should end with this emphasis on persons, on love, and on a reminder that humble servants of God perform all sorts of active ministry. Brothers and sisters, notice the Christ-centered words for these relationships. Paul has so much to say about the people in this letter and the churches in this letter, but it's filled with Christ-centered words. Verse 2, welcome her being Phoebe in the Lord. Verse 3, being Prisca and, Asilla, Pr Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. The first convert to Christ, verse 5. They were in Christ before me, verse 7. My beloved in the Lord, verse 8. Our fellow worker in Christ, verse 9 who is approved in Christ, verse 10. Those in the Lord, verse 11. Workers in the Lord, verse 12. 
who has worked hard in the Lord, verse 12, chosen in the Lord, verse 13. Brothers, sisters, saints, all the churches of Christ, verses 14 through 16. You see, these are former unbelievers from various backgrounds, but Jesus had radically changed them through the gospel. They have been made into the multicultural, multi-ethnic, and beautifully diverse family of God. The gospel creates spiritual friendships and spiritual family. These people, as are we, are united as diverse people through our faith in Christ. And you could see that through the names. You know, these are, these are not names that you're going to look for to name your next child. These are Greek names. These are Jewish names. These are Gentile names. Huh. These are a diverse people. Bond together in friendship. Bond together in brotherhood through the blood of Christ. C.S. Lewis said in The Four Loves, Friendship is born at that moment when one man says to another, what? You too. I thought no one but myself. It's the gospel which unites. So five quick lessons from this chapter to guide us in gospel relationships. First, the life of a Christian is not to be lived in solitude. Many people are greeted in verses 1 through 16 in Romans chapter 16, but 27 are named. Surely we should learn from this that people matter, but also that names matter because Jesus knows each of them by name. John 10, 3, it says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and they and he leads them out. Paul is working at building a relationship with the church. He wants as his sending church to his mission in Spain. We know from Acts that his his goal was to get to Spain and he was going to, to take the Roman church, the churches in Rome with him. He wanted to send these churches out to take the gospel in Spain. And, and even though it's not recorded in God's word, for all we know, it was the churches in Rome that took this glorious gospel to Spain into the uttermost parts of the earth. It's probably because of some of these churches that our heritage of faith belongs. It's amazing how many names Paul knew in Rome. What we need to realize is this epistle was written before he had ever made his way to Rome. And the question is, are we living life collectively with our brothers and sisters? Are we trying to live the Christian life alone? We need the community of faith through our brothers and sisters in Christ. And number two, the Christian life is lived with different relationships and partnerships. It's remarkable the words that Paul uses to describe who these people are in relationship to him and to each other. Words like sister and brother, servant and saint, patron and fellow worker, church, first fruits, kinsmen, fellow prisoners, beloved, approved in Christ, elect, mother to me. The more you connect with people, the more that you begin to see the enriching ways that they bring fruit and blessing into your life and you into, into theirs. The Lord is gracious to provide us with what we need through his people. Wherever we go, the Lord blesses us through his people to partner with us in the gospel. Oh, the Christian life has not been meant to be led, lead, lived in solitude. The Christian life is lived with different relationships and partnerships. But third, our relationship must stay Christ-saturated as we point one another to the gospel. This is not a simple list of greetings. This is the way a person who is enamored with Christ talks about his friends. 
when you visit with your family or friends or when you talk on the phone or when you send an email, are we always encouraging one another in Christ the way Paul is encouraging these that are named in Romans chapter 16? Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We must consistently drench our relationships with our brothers and sisters with the encouragement of Christ and to provide one another with gospel encouragement. Not personal or worldly advice, but gospel encouragement. May we be like Paul in Romans chapter 16. But the fourth thing is our brothers and sisters in Christ span many churches in many different cities and lands. Notice that these brothers and sisters are spread over several churches in Rome. Verse 5 refers to Prisca and Aquila, and it says, greet also the church in their house. So there's a church that Paul greets through Priscilla and Aquila. Then there are many other names representing churches throughout Rome, meeting in homes or together in towns. Verse 14, we see it says, greet Asyncritus, Pelagian, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. This means the church that meets with these brothers. Verse 15, it says, greet Philagius, Julia, and Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with him. There's another church. We learned that the church in Rome was really churches in Rome. Paul was addressing all of these brothers and sisters that were gathered together in churches. And so may the Lord multiply Bible-believing, Christ-exalting churches in our cities and throughout the world. And we, may we know and fellowship and work with other believers in other churches, in other cities, and around the world. The love of Christ must guard and lead our relationships. Love permeates this chapter. Four times Paul uses the word loved or beloved. My beloved Apaneatus, Ampletus, my beloved in the Lord, my beloved Stachus, greet the beloved Persis. And then we read things like, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you, and Prisca and Asilla risk their necks for my life. This is language rooted in love. May the Lord draw us all into these kinds of relationships. We need these relationships that love us not because of what we do or don't do, but that love us because of the overflowing love of Christ. And so we see these lessons actually exemplified in the verse, first five verses in Phoebe and Priscilla and Aquila. Phoebe is described as a patron and brothers and sisters, even before we look at Phoebe, do you realize that, that, that the three first individuals mentioned who are risking their necks for Paul, that are risking their lives for Paul, that are taking this letter by Paul's hand to the church at Rome, two of the three mentioned are women, women who were faithful, women who were workers, women who were spreading the gospel. Let us not miss this. This is not just to brothers. This is to brothers and to sisters. Phoebe, she's described as a patron. She appears to be a woman of means. She has helped many, including Paul. It appears that Phoebe is the one who carried this letter to the church, suggesting like Lydia in Acts chapter 16, who was a, a trader in fine linens and many colored linens, that she was a successful businesswoman who is able to travel and can be entrusted with this important and rich letter. He commends the churches of Rome to her as she travels there with this letter. Paul calls her a sister who has partnered with him in the gospel. She is a servant, meaning she has helped in taking care of the stranger, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, and visiting those in prison. Ultimately, Phoebe is a partner in ministry. And Priscilla and Aquila are described as my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. 
Greet also the church in their house. Brothers and sisters, we know that because of what Priscilla and Aquila did, that the gospel was able to go forth by the hand of Paul. He saved, he, they risked their necks for Paul's life in order that he would be able to write Romans and so many other things, that he would be able to take the gospel. We know from Acts that this couple lived in Pontus, Rome, Corinth, Ephesus. They are sojourners and exiles, following Christ wherever he leads them. Oh, and everywhere they are, it seems they had a church in their home. Huh. Praise be to God that they were sojourners and exiles who saw the importance of church. They understood the importance of Christian community. Paul also says they are workers. They're literally tent makers like Paul, as we learn in Acts chapter 18, verse 3. And all of their work was ultimately in service to the Lord. And ultimately, they were workers who were willing to move to new regions to risk their lives for the spread of the gospel. Paul says they literally risk their necks for my life. They put their necks on the line for Paul's life. We don't know what happened, but they saved Paul's life by risking their own because Paul says, I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. In, order where, in other words, the gospel has gone forth through Paul because of the love, concern, and gospel partnership from Priscilla and Aquila. So four simple things that we see in relationships that fuel the gospel. Four things, relationships, therefore, which fuel the gospel, exemplify these four things. First, honoring one another. These relationships are rooted in honor, and that theme runs throughout the chapter. This chapter echoes Romans 12, 10. Take the lead in honoring one another. But second, show hospitality to one another. Paul asked for the churches in Rome to welcome Phoebe. And it goes without saying that the commanding work of greet that is used so many times in these first 16 verses connotes the idea of showing hospitality. This chapter shows the exhortation from Romans 12, 13, pursue hospitality. But then third, relationships with fuel the gospel exemplify affection towards one another. Paul instructs the church to greet one another with a holy kiss. Our greetings should be warm and sincere. When you go throughout Latin America and many countries in Latin America and South America, you see passion and, and you see people greet each other by, by landing a kiss on each other's cheeks. Now, certainly I'm not saying in Western contexts or other contexts where that might be a little odd that we should start kissing each other on cheeks. But the idea here is that these greetings are warm and they are sincere. It's like seeing your family that you haven't seen in a long time for the first time in a long time. These were brothers and sisters who lifted one another up as they did the ministry of the gospel together. This was true community that was forged by doing the work of the gospel together. These were people who were on service and on mission together, who loved one another and who made the mission and the ministry possible and maybe even joyful because of their solid love for one another. They'd rather do things together than apart. But then in verses 17 through 20, Paul transitions to a cautionary warning. In the middle of these greetings, Paul drops a warning about divisive people. Paul wants the saints to be careful, not allowing false teachers to disrupt the unity of the believers. Unity can only happen around the truth of sound doctrine. And we must help one another detect false teaching. 
false teaching is not consistent with the truth of the gospel. Or as Paul says in verse 17, it's contrary to the teaching that you have learned. And false teachers will say some things that sound good, like love your neighbor or or do justice or honor people or serve the poor. Or Jesus was, was love. Jesus was about love and acceptance. Yet they deny the essential truths like, like sin and Christ's atonement. Why did Christ have to die? Why did he atone us? Because we were sinful. They look away from the resurrection. They look away from justification by faith alone and Christ alone. They look away from the holiness that is called for us as Jesus says, walk as I have walked. Oh, but Paul tells us, watch out for them and avoid them. As many have said that have worked for the FBI, they don't detect counterfeit money by studying every potential way that it could be counterfeited. They find counterfeit money by studying the real deal, by studying the real bills, by knowing the truth. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to watch out and avoid false teaching, then we have to know the truth. We have to hide God's word in our heart that we may not sin against him. We've got to ruminate on God's word. We've got to love God's word. We've got to digest God's word. God's word has got to be on our lips. It's got to be on our mind. We have to meditate on God's word so that we can detect false teaching and be discerning. Oh, false teachers are not really serving Christ because they deceive and they divide. In in Romans chapter 16, verse 19, Paul commends the church for their obedience and then urges them to be wise. He tells them to stay focused and obedient. He wants all believers to be discerning enough to detect evil and to avoid it. Staying focused on the gospel keeps us hopeful. But Paul also draws attention to Satan. Jesus has won the ultimate victory over Satan already, but evil is still raging. Satan knows his days are short, and we see that in Revelation 12, 12. In the future, the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet. And we know this because our Messiah has already won the battle on the cross. So take heart, beloved. In community with your brothers and sisters, take heart. Keep each other accountable to study God's word, to hide God's word in our heart, and to be discerning of the false teachers of those who would come to steal, kill, and destroy. And lastly, we see the doxology of the book of Romans. Here, Paul reminds us that the gospel is not only to save believers, but ultimately to strengthen believers. We must rehearse this gospel each day because it is our source of strength and our source of joy. We must be thankful for those relationships which keep us grounded in the truth and focused on the gospel, which brings ultimately daily strength. Paul also reminds us that the gospel is about Jesus. We need Christ-exalting preaching, teaching, and singing. We find ultimate strength in being reminded of the work of Christ and that our hope is not based on our performance, but on the perfect life of Christ. The gospel is ultimately the grand message of the Bible, and it is for the nations. We do not serve a personal Lord and Savior, but we serve a God of all nations who intends for all of us to worship him and know him as he knows us. So, beloved, we need one another because the work of the gospel is not a solo pursuit, but a pursuit of the entire body of Christ. And we strive together to show our neighborhoods, our communities, our cities, our regions, our countries, and the world 
the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ is in action among his people. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation and the mystery that is kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writing has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for the Defender Podcast. This week, we are praying for Hong Kong, this administrative state uh, that is a part of the People's Republic of China. Pray for the gospel to continue to spread in Hong Kong. and Pray that local believers would be supported. Pray for waiting children in Hong Kong and for the virus that is decimating not just the world, but also Hong Kong, as even recently cases have started to spike. And and we're praying against the draconian lockdowns that the, the people in mainland PRC have experienced. We're praying for families who are in the adoption process. And we're praising the Lord for what he is doing in the administrative state of Hong Kong. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that the gospel would continue to spread in this island administrative state of Hong Kong, and that local believers will manifest the gospel to vulnerable children and families. We pray that our partner, Mother's Choice, and their leadership would be convicted to be uncompromising in their Christian values. Lord, we ask for continued favor with the Hong Kong Welfare Department and that the Social Welfare Department would understand the urgency of reviewing families' paperwork. We ask that you'd be with the staff at Mother's Choice to have endurance and stamina as they work tirelessly on behalf of these children. And Lord, we just ask and pray that the pandemic would lighten in Hong Kong so that families can travel and bring home their children and, and that, the, the, that death and infection would not spread in Hong Kong. We also pray against the draconian lockdown measures that we've seen in PRC, that those would not spread into Hong Kong. Lord, we ask that more families would be open to significant medical special needs, as, as that is unfortunately what many of these children that are waiting are struggling with, medically significant special needs. Lord, would you provide loving, stable caregivers for these children while they wait? Would you help the social welfare department improve and streamline their process to avoid these children having to wait longer than needed? And Lord, would you allow these children's files to become ready and available for international adoption? Father, we pray for those families that are already in the Hong Kong process, that they're currently experiencing increased wait times, that they would know that the Lord is sovereign, that you are sovereign over their process, and that our team would be able to serve them well. Father, we ask for the families that feel called specifically to adopt a child from Hong Kong. We just ask that you would show them your great love and that you would give them your great peace as they wait. Specifically, we pray for one family pursuing brothers who were 10 and 12. We just ask that they would continue to, to have hope as their travel is being pushed back because of travel restrictions. Lord, we just ask that these 10 and 12-year-olds brothers would quickly be reunited or united with their family. And Lord, we do praise you for the many mission-minded families that are in this program who are waiting with hope despite these long time frames. We praise you for our partnership with Mother's Choice and for their hearts to serve the children of Hong Kong. We thank you for our team here in the U.S., for Carla and Jana and Ivy and Emily and Claire who, who strive daily to love, to care, and to nurture. Lord, we pray that your gospel would spread throughout this island that you'd use Mother's Choice in their perch as they look at uh, the island there of Hong Kong. And we ask that the Spirit of the Lord would spread over this place, 
that many men, women, boys, and girls would come to saving faith in you. It's in your great name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.